down, gets a good block and a easy route to Jake Bunn across the 10 to 5, reaching for the pylon in the right front corner. Oh, how lovely cooks the meat. Oh, how lovely cooks the meat. When I get back home to eat, oh, how lovely cooks the meat. I smell it far away, and I thought of it all day. She's cooking the meat for me. What a meal it's gonna be. Oh, I've cooked a lovely meal. To my man, it will appear. When he comes in through the door, he will love me even more. Oh, how lovely cooks the meat, oh, how lovely cooks the meat. When I get back home to eat, oh, how lovely cooks the meat. I smell it far away, and I thought of it all day. She's cooking the meat for me, what a meal it's gonna be. Oh, the stove is much too hot Now the steak has a big black spot And I hope it won't be tough Cause my man must get enough Oh, how lovely cooks the meat, oh, how lovely cooks the meat. When I get back home to eat, oh, how lovely cooks the meat. I'm coming through the door, I cannot wait no more. And at the table, take my seat and put my teeth into that meat. Oh, my dear, your teeth are strong. And I hope that I'm not wrong. Though the steak is burnt and tough, I am sure you'll get enough. Oh, how lovely is my wife, oh, how lovely is my wife. I'll keep her all my life, oh, how lovely is my wife. I'll learn to cook someday. Yes, and then she'll pay her way. Between us, there's no strife. She's a lovely, lovely wife. How lovely goes the meat! The uh, living horror of Frankie Lane and Doris Day on a Columbia 78 RPM recording from 1952. Carl Fisher's orchestra and the Norman Luboff Choir. That's what it was necessary to bring in uh, to, to back these people up. Uh, really one of the weirdest and most shameful pieces of music I've ever heard in my life. I first heard this on the Corn Belt Symphony radio show years ago, back in the 70s. I think Jack Mingo might have said it sounds like a, a bad translation from Romanian or something. How lovely cooks the meat. Good evening. Uh, this is Arwo filling in for Mike Perini. And Mike, I hope you're feeling better. If that recording doesn't do it, I'm not sure what else will, but I uh, I have a, a few things up my sleeve here. Actually, I'm wearing short sleeves, thank goodness, because I'm, I'm really getting steamed up here after that, that Doris Day vocal. I find it very difficult to listen to Doris Day, so it's with great pleasure that I bring in Ronald Shannon Jackson and the Decoding Society now. Oh, yes, that's better. 
Now, these guys are going to back me up while I give you a special report on the uh, world's only burnt food museum. The burnt food museum is uh, very much alive. It certainly is well documented online. Uh, BurntFoodMuseum.com will tell you all about it. The uh, founder and primary curator is Deborah Henson Conant, who takes some very frightening photographs. She, uh, she really makes some good faces here. Um, the Museum of Burnt Food was founded in the late 1980s one night when Deborah put on a small pot of um, apple cider to heat and then received an unexpected, fascinating, and very long phone call. By the time Deborah returned to the kitchen, the cider had become a cinder, and thus the first and perhaps still the most impressive exhibit, freestanding hot apple cider, unquote, was born. Since then, countless other works have entered the museum, such as thrice-baked potato, that is thrice-baked potato, why, sure, you can bake quiche in the microwave, unquote. The indestructible mmm soy pups. And the lovely matching set of pizza, pizza toast. You can see these things online, too. Uh, the museum, its curator, and its educational display before and after toast were the cover story for the... January, February 1992 Journal of Irreproducible Results. And the museum has been toured by the hosts of NPR's Weekend Edition, Morning Edition, and featured on NPR's The Splendid Table. In 2002, a televised tour of the museum featured on the Food Network's Unwrapped. The museum's motto is to cook the museum way, always leave the flame on low, and then take a long nap. Uh, The hot tip here, it says, uh, never scrimp on fire extinguishers and smoke alarms. They're decorative, colorful, and lend a cozy, warm atmosphere to any kitchen. It also says you can start your own burnt food museum franchise. Uh, How many times have you ruined a batch of chocolate chip cookies or a romantic dinner for two? Turn those culinary failures that, uh, if successful, would have been gone forever after a single meal into lifelong treasures for you and your family to enjoy. That's right. You, too, could have a wing of the Burnt Food Museum in your very own home. Set aside a special shelf in your own kitchen for those surprising and wonderful objects of art that you created without even trying. There's a, a submission form. You can submit your own works to the Burnt Burnt Food Museum. I've actually seen some of these things while I was researching this interesting topic. Then you can surprise and delight your friends by wearing your Museum of Burnt Food Field Research Team apron while you display your culinary artwork. They have a, uh, of course, a Burnt Food Museum souvenir shop. And for Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts, join our efforts to lobby the Scout Council to include a Burnt Beyond Perfection 
badge. Well, it sounds reasonable to me. Now, let's go, uh, if you don't mind, we'll step in here. Don't step in it. No. We'll, we'll step over here, and we'll look at the exhibits. Let's see. There's quite a, no- a number of exhibits here. Um, let's see. Each one of these photographs is a... Uh, you can click on it, and it turns into a high-resolution version for press purposes. I'm not sure what this thing was initially that's in front of me, um, possibly a muffin of some sort, but it says, don't try this if you're not from California. Um, oh, it's a tortilla. Yes, uh, tortillas on an open gas flame. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, that that can be done, but you have to be good at it, and I don't think this person was very good at it. I'm very fond of the sweet potato geode. That one's uh, displayed under glass. There's the uh, before and after whole wheat. The after looks like a, a piece of charcoal. Uh, what else do I got here? This gyoza's too far. Mm-hmm. They have close-ups of it. Uh, it's really a fascinating sight. You can look through here. I'm not going to try and, uh, and mention every single one of these over the air. A study in pizza toast is beautiful. It looks almost like a uh, uh, something by Jean Arp. Um, what is this? Honey, I found it. Uh, it looks like a bunch of silverware that was accidentally stored in a uh, broiler pan in a uh, yeah a bunch of knives and stuff with plastic handles that was accidentally baked many times underneath an oven. Mmm. There's also the uh, Cruncheroni and Cheese display. The child who uh, took a Tupperware container full of macaroni and cheese and tried to cook this in a microwave. I'm very fond of the charred piece of baklava that's under glass here. This is really quite a uh, quite an amazing sight, as you may have figured out while I'm just running my mouth here. Um, here's an artwork called It Might Have Been Lasagna. And this looks really charred. Oh, that's the thrice-baked potato. You could... Uh, that you might be able to ascertain that that used to be a tuber of some sort, but it's mostly just carbon. Yeah, so I'm having a good time looking at these uh, these amazing uh, close-ups, and there's more on the way, they say. They're threatening to uh, post ever more of these. But the, uh, the artwork, which dates from 1989, circa 1989, is, uh, is called Freestanding Hot Apple Cider, also known as Hot Apple Cinder. This is the founder and chief curator's uh, Deborah Henson Conant's masterpiece. And uh, this is, uh, this is the piece that began her fascination with the beauty of burnt food and the stories behind each piece. And this really is a phenomenal uh, object, even before you click on it to get the high-res version. 
this is the this is the artwork, in fact, that inspired the entire uh, uh, museum of burnt food. I see that it's uh, it has generated a spin-off, Hot Apple Cinder Opus Two, by someone named Gary Dreyfus. Says it's a uh, it's just a frying pan with a bunch of just charred apple cider of ash in it. Says a gift of the Gary Dreyfus Foundation for Somnolent Cuisine Research, aka the Foundation for Research on the Ability to Cook While Sleeping. This stunning opus presents a museum favorite, yet another hot apple cinder, but this time in its natural habitat, i.e., a uh, looks like what used to be a Teflon-coated frying pan. So there you have it. That's uh, the best I could do for you tonight. The uh, the report on the Burnt Food Museum. The uh, founder and curator Deborah Henson Conant. The assistant curator Beatrice Harley is pictured here as well. Uh, these women are are uh, are nuts. And Katya Herman is the official Royal Burnt Food Museum harpist, and she's uh, she's baring her teeth here and stroking a uh, a classical harp, and wearing a a fireman's helmet. Looks uh, very fetching on her there. Uh, Deborah Henson Conant apparently is also the uh, uh, a musician, and so you might just want to look for these people online if you care about such things. I want to thank Ronald Shannon Jackson and the Decoding Society for helping me with this report. One of the uh, more glorious offshoots of the harmonic funk of Ornette Coleman. But right now, I thought it would be very helpful if we brought in Lou Donaldson, and, and uh, Lou Donaldson is going to introduce... The next piece, which I think fits squarely in the format of Pandora's Lunchbox, the program that I'm filling in for Mike Perini about this evening, preparatory to my Face the Music show, which starts in about 16 minutes. This is a show about uh, food and culture, and here's Lou Donaldson. Now at this time, we're going to play a new composition that we just composed when we traveled through that wonderful state of Louisiana. We spotted this bird out, so we had to get out and check it. And we wrote a tune about it. It's called Fried Buzzard. <laughs>
This is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food and culture and the human condition on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. I find the mid-60s recordings of Lou Donaldson to be irresistible, especially right before he decided to take on the, uh, you know, everything I play going to be funky aesthetic for a while there. I just love this stuff from around 1965, 66. This is Herman's Mambo. He also heard Hello Dolly from this cadet LP, Blowing in the Wind. Very 1966. It was released in 67, Cadet Records. first heard this uh, I've got it on a double uh, LP compilation uh, cadet records called Have Mercy H-A apostrophe Mercy Lou Donaldson the brother's still around too I believe making music it's 7 o'clock this is WCBN FM Ann Arbor my name's Arwolf I hope you feel good I'm just trying to help time for face the music i hope mike perini's feeling good i hope he's feeling better soon because he's got he's he's grappling with that cold thing that's been going around that's been knocking everybody down so i thought it would be good to just uh, just play some music that would help him out and also again the uh, the special report we had on the incredible burnt food museum a good example of the kind of malarkey that uh, you're sure to get here at wcbn fm ann arbor now i've Delighted to bring forth the Little Brother Montgomery Quintet. It's got Lee Collins blowing the trumpet. He's one of the very earliest jazz trumpeters up from New Orleans. Also the reed man Oliver Alcorn and Ernest Crawford, the string bassist, the drummer Jerome Smith. I know these names are resonating deeply with you, but it's, it's kind of a rare recording. Little Brother Montgomery Quintet. You don't usually hear him with a band like this comes to us courtesy of Document Records. And let's start out with a slow drag. This is called Long Time Ago. Let's face the music together. ¶¶ 